0: the Spirit of God to apply it to everyone here tonight. But uh, I want to be honest with you. and I'm going to be real with you tonight. and I hope I can help you. All right? So I want you to open your Bible to First Thessalonians this evening. We're going to be looking at chapter number two. Now, one of the great highlights of my life, I'm not just going to say ministry, one of the great highlights of my life was to be the youth pastor here at this church. I had a good time. Loved every moment of it. I've seen God do some great things. And I I still want to see him do great things. You guys got caught. Y'all don't have a Bible. got busted. What are y'all doing at church without a Bible? I know what it is. You're going to use your phone when I couldn't see you, but now you're (laughs) busted. Where is your Bible? That's my son right there. I'm just letting y'all know. Don't ever come to church without a Bible. Got me? Okay? Because then you're just listening to Pastor Ricky and you're not listening to the Word of God. All right? So you always, always, always want to check up the preacher, what he says by the Word of God. So always have the Word of God. Now, I want to read you First Thessalonians chapter 2. And then I'm going to share some things with you. Now, Paul, this church just got started in Thessalonians. You can read about that in Acts chapter uh, 17. And Paul had to leave there in a hurry because of some persecution that was taking place, and he wrote this letter to the believers there. And in it, he speaks of really just being a example of Jesus Christ to everyone who he ministered to. And so I'm going to begin in verse number 1, and we'll read on down to about verse 12. He says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, Nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Now, notice when we're reading this, this was the example that he and his fellow preachers his fellow believers, were to the church. And their example is an imitation of Jesus Christ so that people could see Jesus in them. He says in verse 8, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. So he's saying, I give everything, all that I am, we gave unto you because you meant so much to us. We held nothing back. He says, for ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach unto you the gospel of God, your witnesses, and God also, how holy And justly and unblameably We behaved ourselves among you that believe As you know how we exhorted and comforted And charged every one of you As a father doth his children Verse 12 That you would walk worthy of God Who hath called you Unto his kingdom And glory Let's read verse 12 again That you would walk Worthy of God Who hath called you Unto his kingdom and glory. That you would walk worthy. I was blessed as a very young boy, I was blessed with some very loving parents. And those parents carried me to church, and I love church. I loved going on Wednesday night. If my parents didn't go on Wednesday night, we she had my dad would be working and my mom would have someone stop and pick me up and bring me to church because I loved I loved the children's time. We didn't have children's church in those days. You just sat there while the preacher preached. Sometimes I would tune him out and not give anything really any attention to what he had to say but always every kid every kid moms and dads pick up more than you think they do they always do and I remember my dad carrying me to bed and sitting down with me beside my bed and he would read me the bible and I remember very distinctly reading the Gospel of John, and I remember him starting off. I remember this, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I said, Dad, what on earth does that mean? And then he would get to John 3, and he would say, Verily, verily, I'm saying to thee, ye must be born again. Dad, what is verily, verily? And he told me what it meant. And that was an important time in my life. A very important time in my life. Because as a very young boy, I was soaking up what was being taught to me, what was being read to me. To the point that one day in a revival service when I was eight years old, eight years and eight days old, we had a fiery preacher. He was one of those guys that would get up on the pews and run the pews. I mean... Just old country preacher. I remember him preaching that night. I've kind of shared this with you before. That night, I didn't know what to do. Came forward, but I didn't. no one really talked to the little kid. And I went home that night. Didn't know what to ask. Didn't know what to say. And I could take you to the house. Now it's a little blue house. A little blue vinyl side house across from Riverton uh, Elementary School. It's on Nancy's Circle. And I could tell you, it's the second window from the right, where I went to bed that night, and my mother came in and told me about Jesus. And I got saved that night. I got baptized the following Sunday. Didn't wait. It's what you're supposed to do. Follow the Lord in believer's baptism. So I did it. I remember being nervous about it. I was nervous because they didn't have dressing rooms. (laughs) That was that was nervous for me. I don't know about this, Dad. But I got baptized. When my when I was about nine, our pastor had passed away and there were some things going on in the church. And some people said some things that wasn't gracious. And my dad was on fire for the Lord, and so was my mother. My mother got saved when I was a baby. And they allowed what was said to discourage them that they got out of church. Now, years later, when I was a pastor, my dad was in the kitchen with me. We were painting our kitchen. And he said, Did I ever tell you why we quit going to church? And I said, Dad, did it matter? Did it really matter? You should have never got your family out of church. Adults, nothing is too big to get your family away from God. So I grew up no longer going to a Bible preaching church or sitting in a Sunday school or really ever opening a Bible again. So I lived like everybody lived. I did what everybody did. The sad thing is, is that my friends who went to church, most of them did not have a testimony, a pure testimony of living for the Lord. And I saw that. I remember as a young boy, a teenage boy, saying, I'm not going to that church. If if those kids can't live any better than that, I'm not going to that church. Not one time in my teenage years, not one time did anyone invite me to church. Not one time. Nobody said, hey, we'll come pick you up. We'll bring you. Nobody did. Not one time. Because I had good parents who loved me and really taught me to do the right things, for the most part of my life, I lived pretty moral. Until my uncle passed away, and there were some things... Surrounding that, that broke my heart. And I said, You know what? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living right and doing right. I'm tired of this. And so I started down a path where I started making a lot of bad choices. And I'm not going to tell you what all those things are because I don't want to glory in sin. But I made some bad choices. I made choices that a lot of your friends are making. And I'll be honest with you, some of you may be making. Because let me be very blunt here. Your hearts are not where they need to be. And I know that because I see it in your eyes. I make a living talking to people and reading people. And my kids will tell you that when they have conversations with me, they have to look me in the eye, and I can tell whether or not they're telling me the truth. So I know that not every young person in this church is committed to living your life for the Lord. I know that. And it's bothering me. Now, when I was in high school, we experienced, I have two classmates back here. We experienced something I don't want you to experience. Every year, at least one of our classmates died. Every year we lost somebody. And we didn't go to a... Buckhorn High School is a big high school now. It was, it was the size of Priceful back in those days. Everybody knew everybody. And it affected us. Now, let me share something with you. My mother worked at the, at the middle school. She was the secretary at the middle school. So I would ride to school with her. And then I would catch the bus to the high school every day. And it was a little overcrowded when you got on the bus. We always got there. It was the last bus. It was eighty-five thirty-five. It was the last bus to carry the buckhorn, and so a lot of times it was a fight over who's going to get the seat. The rest of you had to stand. And in those days, teachers weren't chaperones. They weren't standing out there because you expected to do right. And you can't ever, you can't, I don't care what generation it is, you can't expect teenagers to do right without somebody helping them. And so what would happen is we would run to the bus where it was supposed to pick up. And we would run because we want to be right there at the door when the, when the bus driver opened the door and we would all get on that bus. On one particular day, we were running to that bus. And all of a sudden, the bus shifted, and everybody screamed and ran away. And the reason for that is in the mob of people, there was a young man that I grew up with. From first grade all the way up to high school. Laying there on the ground because he fell down. And a busload of kids ran over him. I can see it today. I still see him laying there today. I'll come back to that. I was at a place by the time I was a senior that I didn't really care about the things of God, and I didn't care about church, I didn't care about living for the Lord, that's for sure. Nobody around me was that that I really knew was living for the Lord. And I was making a lot of bad choices, and all of a sudden, every athletic scholarship that was offered, I threw away. Every academic scholarship that was offered, I threw away. Didn't really care anything about where my life was going. I wasn't given any direction. I didn't really care. I just wanted to live for myself and do what I wanted to do for a little while. And when I was 18, I moved out. I moved out on my own. I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. And I was on my way home one night. And I had been doing some things that I wish I wasn't doing. Could have gotten in big trouble for it, but I fell asleep behind the wheel. And uh, I crossed over into oncoming traffic and ran off the road. I woke up when I ran off the road, and my vehicle was shaking. And I immediately put my foot on the brake and the clutch and was trying to stop, and I didn't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I went airborne. And I threw up my arm and I hit the top of the car where the windshield meets the roof of the car. I hit it pretty hard with my head. And uh, what happened is I hit a driveway. I jumped the driveway and I hit a telephone pole head on and destroyed my car. And somebody drove by it. They they said that they, they told my dad they saw me fall asleep when I went by the store. And when they, when they came up to me, they saw me outside kicking the car. I'd slam the door and I was kicking the car. I should have died, Paul. David Rachey, you should have died. Do you understand that? You should have died. I should have died. And it's a wonder that I didn't kill somebody else. One month later, my best, one of my very close friends, who I had stayed up all night the night before when I had my car accident, I've told you this story before. He was on his way home to get a phone call from his girlfriend, who was on some youth trip. And uh, on his way home, somebody was run over in his lane, and he ran off the road, and the vehicle flipped and threw him out of the vehicle and landed on top of him and killed him. It was at that moment that I began to consider my life. God, why, why did you take him and leave me? Why did I get to live? Why, why do I get to be 47 with a wife and five kids? That young man knew where his life was going. He was head of the University of Alabama. We were 10 days apart in age. Why do I get to be 47, married for 20 years, five children, and pastor this church, and have all the friends I have and the life I've gotten to live? Why do I get that and he didn't get that? Why? There is no answer for that, right? There's no answer for that. I used to go by his cemetery every year. And I struggled that for over a year, trying to figure out, God, why. And when I was 19, finally somebody invited me to come to church. Finally. It was my mother. She was back at church. And I went. And I saw people with a smile on their face. Are you with me? I saw people with a smile on their face, shaking hands with one another, loving one another. And I thought, man, these people got it figured out. That's how important it is to smile at people. So these people got something. And I went home that afternoon. I worked on my car because my car was always broken down. And I was working on my car. And I decided to go back that Sunday night. And and I had somebody my age invite me to go out after church to go to Burger King get a Whopper. Won't you come with us? And I went with them. I had me a time. I came back next Sunday. Next Sunday night we all went to Dairy Queen together. I started going on Wednesday. Then they had a youth meeting on Friday night, and I'd go to the youth. I, I was I was too old for the teens, but. I wanted, to be, I wanted to be with these people, so I went. And God began to change my life. He, tried, he began to set my life on a course. Now, that kid under that bus, I don't know if he was saved. I know that he had a testimony around me that didn't look, seem like he was saved, but I don't know that. Shub, you think I don't think about him? I was running for that bus too. Why didn't I fall? There is no answer for that. So here's the choice that I have to make. What am I going to do with this life that God has given me? God's given me an opportunity. What am I going to do with it? And I often remind myself of 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12. That I would walk worthy of God. Who hath called you into his kingdom and glory God's been good to me God's been good to me tell you I got a great dad I'm in, that I owe I owe a lot of young people a lot of friends who don't live for the Lord don't care to live for the Lord Why did God change my life, Reagan? I don't know, but he did. And how I live my life really reveals how much I appreciate what God has done for me. And what I want all of you to realize tonight is this. you have been given a great opportunity to do something with your life that matters, to have an impact upon people that matters. Not to keep your faith to yourself, but to always proclaim how good God is. You've been given a great opportunity. And you can choose, teenagers, you can choose this. You can choose to be quiet. And there is a Ricky Clemens around you needing some hope. And you got it. And you never, never, never care enough to invite them to come. Or worse, you live your life in such a way that they say, "If that's all your God's got to offer you, I don't want any, I don't want any part of it." Matt Clark, your life matters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell, tell you guys something, and Andrew. You guys are at a, great, you're at a great time in your life. You're at a great time in your life. Because you, ain't, you don't have a wife. Look at her. You don't have kids. You know what you got? You got time. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You got time. And that's a time that a lot of young men waste. A lot of young men waste the time that you have. And I'm going to tell you something. I am reaping today. I didn't get married until I was 27. When I found the one that would take me, I wasn't going to let her go. 27 when I got married. I was almost 28. Had Garrett when I was almost 30. You got plenty of time, Matt. Plenty of time. Listen, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm still reaping today from those times when I was all by myself. And all I had, I just got in the Bible. And I just listened to preaching. And I just grew. I just growed in the Lord. And I played video games. Take advantage of the opportunity. Let God use you where you're at and develop you into the young man and the young women that God wants you to be. And I'll just tell you this, and I'll speak as a father. If a, if a young man is not worthy of my daughter, you're not getting her. Amen? I believe God the Father is the same way. You're not getting that precious one who loves the Lord and living for the Lord when you don't care nothing about the Lord. So if you want that good, godly girl, you better be a good, godly young man. Okay? Now, back to y'all. You've got something I didn't have. you got loving parents. Who have been bringing you to church for years. And they're not pushing you. This is what I see. They're not pushing you. That you've got to do this and that. You've got to be this particular person. They're warning you to find the will. They're giving you room to find the will of God. I'm doing that with my kids. I am begging God to reveal his will to them. And it's in a way that they're going to serve the Lord. Whatever they do, they're going to serve the Lord. And I see that with your parents. They're giving you room to make some decisions. But I tell you, they're praying for you. And you've got to make a decision. You going to, is your life going to count? Are you going to be standing somewhere when you're 30 or 40 years old and say... I'm doing everything I can to walk worthy of the Lord and what He's called me to do. You have to make that decision today and every single day. And what I am seeing is a lot of you are taking it for granted. You're taking what you've been given and you're taking it for granted. And you're not fired up and passionate about serving the Lord. And you're not fired and passionate about hanging out together because everybody's spread out all over the place, I noticed tonight. You're not together. You're individuals. And you have individual little groups. You're not together. And I'm sure there's reasons for that. But do you realize this? Every one of you young ladies matter to the Lord. I'm going to tell you something, you matter to me. Okay? And I want you to matter to each other. And I want all of you guys to love one another and all of you to matter to one another. And that you're encouraging one another and helping one another. And provoking one another to do the right things. Just as God calls his church to do. Okay? And stop taking what you've been given for granted. And start, stop living for yourself. And start living for something that's higher than you. More valuable than you. And something that is worthy... Of living your life for. And care about people, not just in this group, but care enough about people that you'll smile and you'll encourage them and be a help to them. And maybe just invite them to Christ or invite them to church at the very least. Y'all follow me? You've been given a life. Not everybody gets your opportunity. Let God use you now. Don't wait until you're grown and you've done. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you, Dylan, I'm telling you to enjoy every day of your life. Okay? I'm telling you. I'm telling you to enjoy sports, enjoy your friends, have fun, enjoy every day. But be sure in the process, God's the most important part of your life. Live for the Lord. Let your life matter for God. Don't waste what you've been given. And I'll close with this. I'm not telling you To be one thing when you're in public and something else when you're in private. I'll read it. Your mom and dad will read it. Make a decision to be the real thing. You with me? Let the Lord use your life, don't waste what you've been given. Let's take a moment and bow our heads tonight.